for a moment you just forget that this is it's a, this is a movie and this is a scripted and this is an actor acting and it's not actually him and i think Jake Gyllenhaal without him this movie would not have been to the level that it turned out to be Hello and welcome to My Favorite Movie Is, a podcast all about why we love our favorite movies. My name is Larry Freed and I'm the creator and host of this show and happy October to all of our viewers and listeners out there. This month, we are tackling some more scary and spine chilling films and we have an incredible first of two to start with. We have my guest, Alice Guzman, who is a horror and surrealist photographer talking all about the iconic 2014 thriller starring Jake Gyllenhaal. It's Nightcrawler. I just appreciate how unrelenting it is and how it does not give you a break to breathe and you're just wrapped up in Lou's world. Yeah, I appreciate that it's like one thing after another and it just gets more and more and more gruesome. This is one of my all-time favorite films. It's one of Alice's all-time favorite films. So as you can imagine, we had a pretty fun and spirited conversation about it. We dive deep into Dan Gilroy's incredible direction and writing, how he turns LA into a character in and of itself. But of course, we dive deep into Jake Gyllenhaal's masterful performance as Lou Bloom. All this and more on today's episode of My Favorite Movie Is. However, just a reminder, we go way past the red tape and deep into spoilers on every episode of MFMI, including this one. So if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, go check out the movie and then come back and listen to this awesome conversation. But if you're looking for another episode of MFMI to listen to, in the meantime, go to our podcast show page, go to our YouTube channel, check out one of our previous episodes. We've had some amazing guests on the show thus far talking about some incredibly iconic movies. You'd have to have seen at least one of them, right? Anyway, you're here for an episode about Nightcrawler. Let's just dive deep into it. Alice, start us off. My name is Alice Guzman and my favorite movie is Nightcrawler. Alice Guzman, welcome to my favorite movie is. How's it going? It's it's going. It's, it's going. going. That's it's yeah. gotta go. It's we gotta make That's, sure it's going. Because if <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. going, we have problems. If you could just tell the folks at home a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, you know, where they can find some of your work. Uh, my name is Alice Guzman. I am a photographer, filmmaker, artist, writer. I do a little bit of everything. Horror work, suspenseful work, uh, more of the thriller-esque kind of work. Yeah, I have a strong passion for storytelling, whether it be with stills, uh, moving images, or just in writing and stories. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alice in Hysteria. Beautiful. <laughs> Be that was clean. That was clean. And it makes sense <laughs> that you have such a passion for horror and suspense because we're talking about our boy uh, Jakey G with Nightcrawler, which is a film that we both adore very much. So much so that we are actually connected by this film a little bit, uh, which goes mm -hmm. directly into your first experience seeing it because I was there partially. <laughs> Partially. I, I was a little late. I was about 20 minutes late, not by my own volition, but I, I was a little late to it. Tell me a little bit about your first experience seeing Nightcrawler and uh, what stuck out to you 
about the film when you first saw it? I think it was my first semester of college in 2016. Our classes kind of took place in these like big uh, like rooms that had like a giant projector, has like surround sound and some sort of noise proofing almost kind of not really but a little bit so it was just like you're in this sealed box and we're always watching movies and doing crits and all of this stuff and then uh, a few of us started kind of breaking into the room and uh taking it over for the night breaking really. in would be the, a very appropriate the, way to at put the it. time at the time there wasn't any set like guidelines to be like okay this is how you can get the key to rent the room it was just like you get in, you get in. So we started having like these kind of movie nights where we would go at like one in the morning um, to watch movies. And then I think it was one of my classmates, Ruby, who suggested we watch Nightcrawler. I had never heard about it. And we just pulled it up on the big screen and started watching it. I think it was like four or five of us. Like it wasn't that many people. And we just huddled up and got into this entire thing and I was my mouth dropped really when I was watching it because I was just it was just like one thing after another after another because I had never heard about the film I had never seen any sort of trailer nothing so I went in completely blind and it was the best thing you could do going in blind I think you just like heard the commotion and we're like what's going on and like walked yeah. in I can't remember exactly what for those who don't know Alice and I went to film school together uh at Rutgers University and that building was a film facilities building and would and also a visual uh, arts uh, building so people would often be there very late at night working on their own projects or and uh, film students would often use the space to edit and shoot things I could not tell you why I was there but clearly that was not the part of the night I remembered very well because I do remember this very well because I remember walking in and you guys were like watching a film and it was a couple of you who I had become friendly with and I it was Nightcrawler which is a film I'd already seen at that point. And I walked in and I was like, oh, you guys watching Nightcrawler? And she was like, yeah, like, oh my God, this is my first time seeing it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I guess I'll, I, I'll like, if you don't mind, I'll stick around and watch a few minutes of it. You know, I thought I was going to be in and out because, you know, I had places to be. Uh, so I thought uh, <laughs> until I ended up watching the rest of the movie with you guys after like 20, like 15, 20 minutes in. And that's just the kind of film that this is. Like from the moment you start watching it, much like the footage that Lou Bloom gets in the film, you can't take your eyes off of the film once you start watching it. I mean, obviously this film is right up your alley in so many ways, but mm -hmm. you were still evolving as an artist when you first watched it. So was there anything in particular about the film during that first viewing that snuck up on you or caught you by surprise? Or is there anything that stuck out to you that first time? I think the rawness of the Lou Bloom character that like really just like sucked me in because for a moment you just forget that this is it's a, this is a movie and this is a scripted and this is an actor acting and it's not actually him and I think Jake Gyllenhaal does an incredible job at making this character and this story really believable I think Without him, this movie would not have been to the level that it turned out to be. I think it's something that I've always tried to achieve and I always want to achieve from here on out is a character so believable. Like you genuinely believe like this is a really terrible person and doing terrible things and somehow getting away with 
everything and you believe it it's and it's not like this character is handed everything easily it's not like like you can see all of the work and all of the pressure that he puts on himself and it, it makes it all believable like even if he's getting everything like you still believe you're like how how is it happening but i still believe that it's it's he's achieving everything that he wants to just by being himself the big takeaway from the film is just how incredibly talented Jake Gyllenhaal is. And what's most impressive about this performance is that it was a fully 100% committed performance. And I think in other hands, it could have gone horribly because this character is like kind of ridiculous. And it's based like right in the script, like the way he speaks is so eloquent and so like Matter of fact, it's like I'm being sold a car every time I talk to him. Like he has this incredible salesman-like way of speaking. What if the story's not over? The people who did this escaped. They're still out there, walking around with the rest of us. If I had a family and I lived in a home, that might make me nervous. You could almost think that in a more of a caricature of a performance, it could have really fallen apart. It could have almost bordered into parody. Which, you know, this film is a bit satirical, but it certainly is not a parody. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is just perfect. Everything about the way he speaks, the way he looks, the way he interacts with other characters. the And of course, like the dark moments where it, he becomes threatening is just a complete tour de force. Uh, and it, I think it's probably, I mean, you, you, I don't know whether or not you agree with it, but it's probably one of my favorite performances in any film I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. And I think he, he does deserve some credit. Like, yeah, I could have probably been in the writing and stuff, but like the way that he took that script and brought it to life was something that I very, very rarely see. <laughs> Are there any scenes with Lou Bloom in particular that, that, you feel really highlight the strength of the performance and if so why the scene where he like moves the body to get like the horizon shot and all of that like that was really jarring to see and how he does not view these lives at all with any sort of regard that kind of struck out to me and i was like wow like he's just like moving it like a like it's it's a set for him. The scene with this detective where um he's being sit down and interrogated and he's just he has the perfect answers and he's so it's it's just like he has a way of convincing himself that he's doing the right thing when he's really not. There's a, a break in the fourth wall and he looks into the, the camera and I think he he mentions a quote that that says, like, if you see me, like, it, it means that you're having the worst day of your life or something like that. You filmed him dying. Hey, that's what I do. It's my job. I like to say that if you're seeing me, you're having the worst day of your life. That, like, really, like, stuck out to me, too. The interrogation scenes, or really the scenes with the detective, are really great because, obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal is just, like, completely stone-faced during those scenes and it's just brilliant uh the duality of the character but also they show the the falseness behind him there are certain moments where like you know he'll say like you know oh can you send me the footage it's like oh why do you want to like why would you want to see the footage it's like why wouldn't i want to see the footage and he's like oh let me get you the footage you know like it's like this these moments where they actually you know poke holes into him i'd like a copy of that footage do i have to give it to you <laughs> is there any reason why you wouldn't 
No, no, I made you a coffee. I expected someone to come. <laughs> you know, I think this movie could have made him almost like a god in the sense that, like, he's completely untouchable and he never screws up and he's perfect and he gets everywhere he wants to go. But one of the genius elements of the character is that he does work hard to get what he wants and he gets what he wants by make by covering all his bases, but he's not perfect. He still has those moments where he screws up. I think those add a lot of humanity. And and speaking of humanity, while I do love Jake Gyllenhaal in the film, and we got to give him his due, I think Riz Ahmed in the film as well is incredible. In a previous episode that we recorded about Fight Club, we talked a lot about Nightcrawler, and we brought up Nightcrawler in the sort of canon of the unlikable protagonist a discussion, mm -hmm. which I think this movie has become a classic in that genre, if you ask me. Yeah. But we talked about how movies with unlikable protagonists can still have soul and pathos because there are conflicting characters. There are characters that add the humanity to it. And I think Riz Ahmed's character adds that soul and and is the sort of audience surrogate in that moment. You know, I think about the scene with them in the car where Jake Jonah has that monologue where he goes like, you know, like maybe I'd want to like physically hurt you. What if I was obliged to hurt you for something like this? I mean, physically. Oh my God, it's like, I can't even like, think about it now. I just like spine chilling. Oh. I don't know moment. if you heard, but there's lightning. <laughs> just when you said that, there was there, there was like a lightning strike. <laughs> Should have saved, saved it for the lightning round. Hey, uh, look how I wrap this around. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance really is lightning in a bottle. <laughs> Riz Ahmed's performance during that scene in particular is so great because he has this like complete despair in watching this character, which is exactly how the audience is watching Jake Gyllenhaal. And without his character, I think the movie loses uh, loses a huge part of it. I do agree that he does bring a lot of humanity into the movie because I feel like he's just very naive and he trusts Lou, uh, Jake, Jake's character. <laughs> we, um, we know him on a first name basis. We can just- Yeah, Jake. Our friend um, Jake. <laughs> no, he trusts Lou. Uh, completely from the get-go without questioning him at all. And he's just like, okay, like this is what's gonna happen and this is what I'm getting myself into and just kind of accept things as, as it comes. And he's just, he's trying to do his best to do his job. Obviously, as the story progresses, as the movie progresses, he gets more and more of his voice and he starts to really kind of fight back and tell him like, hey, this isn't right, we shouldn't be doing this. Like, why are we doing this? And starts questioning everything. And that's, you You also see a lot of moments um, in Jake's character where he just starts to like break because he is being questioned. Especially in the end where you see him dying on the ground and Jake just films him because he's another story, basically. Showing that and showing how, how much uh, Riz Ahmed trusted him and you see it in his eyes, like you you see it, like you're really letting, you're not gonna save me? Like what is happening? You like feel it. Jake's character does not care at all. And it just goes to show how selfish he is. I love what you say about his naivete. I would also add to that, that like he just needs money. I'm Rick, of course. Uh, I, I took three buses to get here. I finished high school. I need a job. <laughs> I'll do pretty much anything. That's me. Hi, Rick. I mean, what's great yeah. about his character is he is- He's desperate. Yeah, he is much like the world around him. He wants the money. 
he cares most about the money, which is why he establishes this relationship this relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal in the first place. But also, you are right. I mean, he reaches a, a sort of clarity of him and his relationship with with Lou. A great thing about supporting characters is that they should always be functioning to serve the main character, which is exactly what Riz Ahmed does. That moment with him and Lou at the end only further serves to highlight the inhumanity of Lou. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of My Favorite Movie Is. I hate to interrupt this awesome conversation, but I just wanted to remind you all that you can find more episodes of My Favorite Movie Is by going to our show page on your podcasting platform of choice. And if you like video podcasts, we actually post our video versions for every podcast episode on YouTube. New audio episodes drop every other Monday, and then video episodes drop that following Friday. So I hope you'll subscribe and follow us and hit that notification bell and do all the things you got to do to stay updated on when new episodes go live. Another way to stay updated on when new episodes go live and get some fun bonus content and sneak peeks in between episodes is to follow us on our social media pages at MFMI Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I hope you guys will find us there and stay updated and check out all the cool stuff we're doing on those platforms. And finally, for a full catalog of audio and video episodes, as well as more information about the show and how you can contact us for any reason, you can go to MFMIPodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to My Favorite Movie Is. Let's get back to the show. How many times have you seen this film, do you think? Probably like six or seven times, maybe more. Six or seven? Yeah, that's, sure. I mean, that, hey, that's conservative. <laughs> I have some people on the show who have seen their favorite movie like 30 times. So I think, you know, I don't okay. know. You, yeah, I we don't count, but <laughs> as, I, as do I, but we can, you know, this is a general count. I've probably seen Nightcrawler like three or four times, I'd say at this point. Tell me, what are some of the things about this movie that re- that through rewatching you've come to appreciate? Or is there anything just, th- just, you know, even from the first watch, you just knew that like, this is the reason I love this movie. I just appreciate how unrelenting it is and how it does not give you a break to breathe and you're just wrapped up in uh lose world basically and it's also something that i never really considered like as being like a career and a job and like there's people out there that shoot crimes and they have to chase for these crimes and try to find them and try like i i hadn't given it much thought and i think basing a thriller suspense-esque story off of it was a really genius idea but i just yeah i appreciate that it's like one thing after another and it just gets more and more and more gruesome you can see that uh jake's character is kind of toying with everyone around him and just using them as pawns for his master plan really when he sees the house getting broken into like that part was like so jarring seeing him just record it and then withhold the information and not even try to help at all it's it's another case of him showing how inhumane he is and how selfish he is and how dark he is like he granted he doesn't commit these acts of crime he doesn't commit murder himself kind of well, that's when the movie starts getting interesting is when, right, is when Lou Bloom starts to more and more resemble the very things that, I mean, he does inadvertently cause the murder of one of his competitors in the film when he messes with the truck. 
or the van, which is probably the first major, I think the first real like moment of he is directly getting involved. But then of course you have the scene that you're the, I think maybe one of the quintessential scenes of the film, which is when he's in the house, the townhouse and all when, before any of the news have showed up. And that's, that's really where he starts to become the very thing that he is, is capturing, which sort of starts a whole other commentary about like, art and the artist and how does one's art start to reflect them? Is there anything else about the film, maybe aesthetically or within the filmmaking that you that you also look to embody or maybe have embodied or you've been inspired by with your work? No, definitely all of the nighttime street filmmaking that comes with it just gives it that eeriness and it's it's just like the dark broadcasting rooms in his car like everything all of this darkness is kind of starting to follow him the film very much so reflects the kind of videography it's about which it's very run and gun there's a lot of handheld work and you make a really good observation about sort of like the darkness being just as important to this film as the light the scenes in the newsroom i think are really interesting that you brought up where they are lit so much by the screens that are in the room and there is so much darkness they're really in a dark room and that darkness plays such a role in in setting the mood and the tone i think it adds a la layer of grittiness to the film and it kind of also shows you a different uh side of la that you don't really see other than like the glitz and the glam the famous people and money and all of that you kind of see a more rougher side of it um which i think comes along with any sort of big city uh, there is the glam and there is like the rougher, uh, darker side of, of city, city life. I think it's it's just very, very effective in that, that it's showing you this absolute complete opposite from what we're accustomed to as people that consume media and that have, I don't know, either visited or been there in person. You, you kind of have an idea in your head for what L.A. kind of is like. Um, and this movie does a really good job to show you the complete opposite of that. And it might actually even show you like the real reality behind it, um, behind all of the glamour. It's like the perfect, uh, perfect level of kind of darkness without making it horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's not a horror film. I don't think we would not classify it under horror, but honestly. Honestly, and this is a weird take, but like Jake Gyllenhaal is a horror character in this movie. Yeah. Like, and I think, yeah, the, and it's, and obviously, no, it's, he's it, scary. The reason why I say that take is not just because of the writing, which obviously is like horrifying, but like his transformation in the film is also incredibly stark. Like, he lost weight that way, his eyes kind of pop out more like, in his face, and they his, were sunken in, yeah, yeah and his, his face is thinner and uh with his hair tied back he has this look to him that has i mean the eyes are just so expressive no he looks like a he looks like a coyote he looks like a predator almost <laughs> that's that's absolutely right he is like a horror movie monster in a weird way like and i think that works on both a within the film level and also a meta level. Because I think when people saw the trailers for this and they saw it was Jake Gyllenhaal, they almost saw somebody who was unrecognizable. When you take a, if you take a screen cap of that scene with the mirror, where he yells into the mirror, oh, and you take a screen cap, yeah, scene. that's maybe the most charged <laughs> moment in the whole movie. 
Yeah. You, you take a screenshot of that and then you put it next to like source code or demolition or one of his more straightforward dramas. It is 100% night and day. And I think that that there is something horror-esque about that. I want to talk a little bit about Rene Russo's character in the film and uh, Nina, her character Nina and, and her relationship with Lou. She's really the only female character in the film. And I'm curious from a female perspective, what kind of effect do those scenes have on you? You know, I'm sure like, you know, there's a whole other element of horror in the film, which doesn't get talked about, which is the abuse, you know, that uh, Lou puts her through. It's something that I think is highlighted perfectly i think it, it captures the male counterpart um and how much power he ends up holding uh over her it's it's jarring but it's kind of the harsh reality that um this sort of stuff happens and has happened for years and years and years and i think it's something that needs to be shown like yes we talk about it but you don't experience it unless you actually truly physically experience it. And I think experiencing it through a medium like filmmaking, uh, I think is very important uh, because you kind of get to see the real realities behind it and you get to see the real consequences and you get to see how it affects people's lives rather than just hearing it or reading it on the newspaper or hearing it uh, uh, through the Me Too movement. I think it was very smart of them to take sort of the visceralness of the horror yeah. of Lou and and place that onto a whole other kind of abuse and horror. And I don't think the movie had to do that. You know, I think that this story could have happened without it, but it makes it all the more all-encompassing and layered in that way. Alice, we're on to our last segment on the show, which is the lightning round. We're just going to ask you a bunch of quick questions some superlatives about the movie. They're going to be tough, but I'm going to ask you to give your most impulsive answer possible. Don't think too hard about it. Give us the answer that comes first to your brain. We're right. going to start off with an easy one. Favorite scene? Definitely the interrogation scene. Like, without a doubt, when he breaks that fourth wall, like, it's just, like, instant chills down my back. Favorite line? The the line that if you're seeing me, you're having the worst day of your life. That's a great. The mo I love. I also love that moment where, like, he meets the newscasters and is like, ha ha, right, dude, like, right, buddy? Hello, Ben. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Hey, it's yeah. Lou, right? Yes, that's right. Video news. That's right, yeah. You got something good for us tonight? I think so. I'm about to show Nina right now. I can tell by your tie, it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite shot or sequence of shots? When he's talking to Nina, and giving her all of these expectations of things like what they want to do in bed and like everything like all of the things that he like wants to get paid and everything that he wants and like i think that specific scene and the way that it's shot is just like kind of haunting favorite uh location or set I, for some reason i always kind of go back to the the scene where the the truck crashes into this pole that one shot that he gets of of the truck smoking and like them getting the the dude out with the gurney i think that moment um because i think it was lit by a lamp post or like lamp posts do you have a favorite moment in terms of the score or the music featured in the film does any moment strike you he's racing up the mountains to get the shot of this person 
that had just gotten into a car accident. You, I mean, there's, there's no dialogue. It's just him setting up the scene and filming it. And then you see this grand landscape of LA. Yeah, that's probably one of the the moments where I found the score very effective. It, it just made you so emotional. I will I will counter the very end of the film when the vans yeah. drive out and you just hear like, like the electric guitar yeah. is like blaring out. It's a, it's a really, really hits you that moment. Favorite experience seeing the film? Yeah, it's got to be the first time just because I went in blind and I had no idea what this movie was about. I have always kind of admired uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his work um, from a very young age. My first film that I saw him in was Donnie Darko years ago. He committed fully uh, to becoming this character. And I think seeing it for the first time with fresh raw eyes and not knowing anything um, really like gave me inspiration uh, to be able to create stuff uh, that has that same exact feeling that could make others feel the way that I felt when I saw it. Favorite response you've gotten from somebody when you've told them that this is one of your favorite films? Everyone that knows the film, because they're, they're, I feel like it's kind of underrated. There's a lot of people that like haven't seen it that I've mentioned it to. They're like, what? And then we watch it. And I'm like, this is a great movie. You should watch it. Everyone that does know the film uh, is always like, yeah, you're predictable. Like that's so, that's so very you <laughs> to like, like that's, yeah, <laughs> that's just how I am, I guess. If you had to pair Nightcrawler with another film to make a double feature, what would you pair it with? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Chronicle. Chronicle, directed by Josh Trank, 2012. Interesting. Why? Because it also has a lot of, like, handheld, uh, kind of first-person uh, shooting. Um, and it also has, like, that city grittiness to it. I mean, that one's also a suspense thriller i don't know if it's considered horror i'd consider it suspense thriller definitely um, suspense thriller it features a main character that you dislike that's true i did not think of that dane DeHaan's character what is your second favorite movie in the battle between this and nightcrawler who loses well i love donnie darko it is like the film that kind of got me into the world of horror, really. And it kind of just unlocked that door for me and it's never been shut since. Alice, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Remind our wonderful audience where they can find you and all of your work. Yeah, you can find uh, my personal Instagram at Alice in Hysteria, as well as Twitter. Um, and you can find my, my more conceptual surreal photography at Diablo Photos on Instagram. Feel free to visit my website for my full portfolio, aliceguzman.com. And your zine. I'm gotta, I gotta oh. keep plugging. I got it, which oh, happens God. to have been named after yeah. this very film. Feel free to check out my uh, online photography magazine, uh, Nightcrawler. <laughs> I called it Nightcrawler after the movie at nightcrawlerzine.com. You can't get a more personal connection than that. <laughs> I know. I forgot for a moment. <laughs> I, I got to plug you. I got to make sure everyone sees all of your I, wonderful, I it. No, incredible I work. It. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> 
thank you so much to my good friend, Alice Guzman, for being on the show. It was so great to have her. And I don't think she mentioned this during the recording session, but she also sells her incredible photography work, uh, the things that you see on her Instagram and her website. You can like buy those and put them on your wall like I did. I was one of the first people to actually buy something from her store uh, because I'm a really great friend. And uh, also, it's gorgeous. You should buy a piece from Alice Guzman. I believe she has a shop on her website. I love you, Alice. I hope you guys love Alice too. And I love this piece. And I love this podcast. Hey, segues! Uh, we are My Favorite Movie Is on your podcasting app of choice. We are also on YouTube. Just you know, put my favorite movie is in the search bar and you'll find us. Whether you're an audio podcast fan or a video podcast fan, we have you covered. Every other Monday, we post a new audio episode and the video version of that same episode goes up the Friday afterwards. We are also on social media at MFMI Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Follow us, retweet, like, do what the kids do uh, and help support this show. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating or a review. Share some nice thoughts about the show that will also help us grow and get more support. All of this is incredibly appreciated. Thank you so much in advance for your support of this little rinky-dink show here. Lastly, of course, for a full catalog of audio and video episodes, as well as more information about the show, you can go to mfmipodcast.com. And if you have any questions about anything regarding the show or if you just want to say hi or if you have fan mail uh do people still do fan mail uh sure if you have fan mail you can send it to hello at mfmipodcast.com until next time thanks for listening my favorite movie is is a larry free presents production it is executive produced hosted created and directed by me larry Frieden is also produced by me alongside brian novak our assistant director is Steven Reyes. Our editors are Clayton and Kimberly Allen. Our graphic designer is Monica Sarmiento. Our motion graphics designer is Elton Greenfield. And our theme song, Now and Then, as well as all original music featured on this show, is composed and performed by Matt Gorduke. For this week's episode, our camera operator was Robert Bond. Our sound recordist was producer Brian Novak. And our production assistant was Jason Lopez. Thank you all so much for making this show possible. Everybody's portfolios and websites and socials and all that are down in the show notes below. My name is Larry Freed, and this has been My Favorite Movie Is. Is.